Hello, everyone, and welcome to... Is this our second Halloween spooky episode? It's too spoopy, too furious. Too too spoopy, too furious? Yes. I don't like the title because that means there's going to be 18 continuations of it, and they're all going to be bad. Hey, we're only on, what, the third year of doing this? We I think have so. 18 more years to go at least. That's a long time. That's a very, very long time. Stay tuned for next year's uh, Spoopy 3 Tokyo Drift. <laughs> there you go. Well, welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. My name is Delton. I will be your host this Sunday afternoon, and we're, even though we're recording Saturday afternoon. Uh, who's joining me? It's my wife, Haley. She's lovely and a yellow player. <laughs> and the comic relief for the show. I guess so. I'm all over the place. Slash spiritual advisor. Spiritual advisor? Yes, I just gave myself that title. I don't know if I like that, but that's fine. Well, not like your spirits, but like ghost spirits. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like I like, I like guys. I the still spirits. don't like that, but it's fine. <laughs> We're starting off great here in the Malthouse Games podcast. We should probably go ahead and crack open the beer so we can at least blame our ridiculousness on alcohol. I think I'm going to. We are a podcast all about board games, tabletop games, card games, role-playing games, things of that sort. We also like to drink a beer, or two, usually two, on the podcast, and give our thoughts on the beer before we dive further into everything. You filled that one up pretty tall. Last time, you gave me both of the short glasses, by the way. I remember. Well, you're shorter than I am, so... Only legally. Here, you take the more full one, then. Do you know the history of Oktoberfest? The Germans were like, hey, let's have sausages and beer. And they were like, okay. And then that was it. No. Nailed it. Do you know that Oktoberfest actually starts in September? Uh, I know that from you, but that's it. Yeah, it starts in September. And it was originally the celebration of the marriage between King Ludwig I and his wife. I'm going to butcher this like, Therese? Nice. It's spelled like Therese, but I don't know how to really pronounce it. It's probably Therese or something. Probably Therese. Something similar. But basically, it was their big wedding celebration, and then year after year, they're like, we're going to celebrate our wedding. And then after a while, it became like, we're just going to celebrate and drink because it's harvest season and we like beer. Hey, I mean, that works. And then 200 and something odd years later, here we are drinking Oktoberfest in the middle of Oklahoma while recording a podcast. I think it's all come full circle. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. So do you want to read the beer can? Because I handed it to you to put down and didn't even take the time to notice the pretzels in the orange background. Rar and Sons Brewing Company Oktoberfest Metzen Lager. 12 fluid ounces, 6.7% alcohol by volume. Texas proud, quality brewed, and community strong. That is all we got. All right. So it's an Oktoberfest. Let's give it a smell. Haley, go ahead. It has a nice color to it. Very, very amber. You can see through it pretty well. There's basically no haze. Smells very sweet. It does smell very sweet. It is a... Let me see. No? Okay, never mind. Sorry. The other beer has wheat in the title. Mm. Hmm. Trying to put my finger on that. That's a different kind of uh, Oktoberfest. It is. It's not as light as most. Yeah, most Oktoberfests are like really... Light, they're typically lower alcohol by volume because you're supposed to drink a lot of it and not get shit-faced as quickly. This one is actually pretty high alcohol content for a general Oktoberfest, which Raw and Sons usually is. Yeah. Now, it smells pretty sweet, but it actually doesn't have that much sweetness in the taste, which is nice. 
there is a little bit of a hop aftertaste if you take a big drink, mm-hmm. but it's not very strong and it really blends well with the beer. It has a good mouthfeel, a little bit of foam in the middle and back. Pretty clean up front, but when the foam hits you, it's there. But it's not super heavy. It's not overly carbonated. It has a really good mouthfeel. It kind of tastes like fall leaves smell like. Okay. You know, like it's, it's sweet, but it still has a little bit of must to it. You know, if there's been a pile of fall leaves that have been sitting there for about a week or so because they fell off the tree and they're yellow and gold and red and all sorts of stuff. I know what you're saying. I guess I can picture it because you're putting that in my head, but I would have never thought of something like that before. That's why you hired me. I have the best beer That's, reviews. Because you know psychology. You're like, if I say it, they'll think <laughs> it's true. I've just been bullshitting the whole time. Yes, exactly. No, but, but really, it tastes like fall leaf smell. It's a good beer, though. I like that. It's a good Oktoberfest. It's little To me, it's a little heavier than most. There's something else in my glass. It looks like we didn't get a clean glass out of the cabinet. <laughs> it's just a spaghetti noodle. You won't die. A spaghetti noodle, maybe a piece of broccoli. I don't know what that it's is. It's vegan. That's fine. But yes, it's a pretty good beer. So aside from that, the past two weeks, we have continued our journey of watching only spooky movies and TV shows. We have watched The Haunting of Bly Manor. Yep. We have also watched What We Do in the Shadows. Yep. And we are now going through Ash versus Evil Dead. Because we got to go see Evil Dead 2 at a drive-in theater down in Oklahoma City. We had never been to a drive-in. And it was the Winchester, which has been around since 1968. And it has not changed. And it is wonderful. It still has like the big neon signs whenever you're coming off of Western Avenue. Avenue, And the prices are dirt cheap, too. Uh, the french fries are like $2. The popcorn's like $4 for a big bucket. And then uh, it was cash only. Delton and I each paid $7 to get in. Well, I guess we paid together since we're kind of married. But yeah. uh, we paid a $20 cooler fee, brought in pretzels, brought in beer, sat there and ate and watched. Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 2. I already said that. <laughs> but yes, we did. It was a really good time. I liked that they allow you to bring a cooler and you just pay a $20 fee and you can bring in all the food you want in your car. So like Haley said, we had beer and we had some pretzels and like a mustard and, and stuff like that and water and we packed, I think, a root beer or two. And it was just nice to bring your own stuff. We had all the food, we had all the drink, but most importantly, we had a great time. There you go. But it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. It's the only way I think I'm comfortable going to a theater right now with the pandemic. Same here. I know they're opening, and I'm sure that they're just as fine as going anywhere else, but it was just nice because you're in your own car the whole time, or you can get out and sit in front of it or behind it with your you know, outside chairs, camping chairs. I think you really liked it because you had no person interaction. Basically, the only one was the dude who told me that I could move my car up, uh, he recognized my One Piece decal on my car. And so we talked about One Piece for a second. And that was pretty much it. And that was a positive interaction. So, yeah, I had no issues with it. And I really want to do it again once they put out something I want to watch. I think this weekend was like... Transylvania how... 2. Hotel Transylvania by... 2. Hotel Transylvania 2, followed by Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. So, again, if they put out something I want to go watch, then <laughs> I think we should do it. Same. But, uh, I mean, we'll see. They put them out like the same week or maybe two weeks in advance at most. Same week. Is it you all have no week? idea what's going to be showing until the week of. I guess last year at uh, Halloween, they did The Exorcist, the original. Ooh. And I've still never seen it, but. That would be fun. I thought about it, maybe, finally being the one time I watched that old movie. But anyway, drive-in theater was really fun. Like Haley said, we watched Haunting of Bly Manor, which was really good. What We Do in the Shadows is just phenomenal. Ash vs. Evil Dead has been great so far. It's I really, ridiculous. really enjoy it. 
Uh, we watched Suspiria, the remake of the old 70s movie, and now we want to watch the 70s. And then we even picked up a very, very budget projector off Amazon so we can watch movies on a sheet on the fence in the backyard, light the chiminea, and watch scary stuff. So I think that's going to be fun. It's a simple life, and it's a good life. It is, but that's what's been going on since our last episode. Nothing too crazy. I don't know, man. I started a turnip garden. You did start a turnip garden today. Turnips and radishes and lettuce and spinach, my friends. We'll see how it goes being a little late. It's fine. The lettuce and the spinach are going great. That's good. So stay tuned. So I tweeted about this earlier today, so I'm self-plagiarizing a little bit, but now they say history repeats itself. But I never thought I would be planting a winter turnip garden during a plague. Yeah. Nobody thinks that. No. <laughs> Nobody thinks that ever. So, Delty Poo, what are we talking about today? Uh, today, we're going to dive into the game part of the show so we can finish our list of our top 10 favorite spooky games. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's, it's a game. So, for a small recap of last episode, we went over our number six through number 10 of our spooky games list. If you are unfamiliar, here is that list. Number 10, Mr. Jack. Number nine was Pumpkin Patch, Bad Seeds. Number eight, The Arkham Horror, LCG. Number seven, Ghost Stories, the most difficult co-op game. And number six, Lovecraft Letter. Now we move forward into the top five and get to our favorite, which, yes, like we said before, this list was me and Haley both making a list and then making compromises and adjustments until we felt that it was appropriate for this to be our combined list of 10. I think we did a very good job, but I love that our number one was identical no matter what, and our number three was identical no matter what. Yes. So I thought, I thought that was good. Number five, I have, from our good friend Ben Canellis, I have Bitten. Yes. And Bitten, you are playing different factions. You are the werewolves or the zombies or the vampires. It is essentially a hidden role game where you don't let anybody know what faction you're a part of. There are some different locations out on the table. It's all card-based. And you're going to be playing cards. Uh, basically, you can imagine that you're, like, ruling the faction. Like, you're the lead werewolf telling people where to go in the city. So if there's the bus station, which we got to see in person, uh, some really, oh, yeah. really cool black and white artwork that's essentially photographs that have been either put a filter on them or, like, hand arted in to make it kind of this scratchy, spooky, kind of black and white movie feel. It's pretty neat. Yes. I imagine it as like a nightmare sequence in a 1950s uh, scary film. I think that's about accurate, yeah. But you'll have cards that have anywhere from one to three of the factions on them. So if you're the werewolf faction, you could put a werewolf card on the bus stop, and now you have one werewolf at that bus stop. Or you could put a card that has zombies and werewolves on the bus stop. Now, doing that, everybody else can say, well, he's probably zombies or werewolves. That's most likely the faction that you're playing. So you're hiding your role in my favorite manner, which is through mechanics. You're trying to deduct through mechanics what people are and also trying to have uh, more area control over those different places. It's a really neat game. I've really enjoyed it. We reviewed it on the show. Uh, I think this was our first ever review copy. I was about to say it was our first review copy. Ben believed in us. He believed in us from the get-go, before we even knew who Ben really was. <laughs> like, before we got to meet him, I believe. Yeah, we haven't even met him yet. No, I don't think we had, no. We had just started. 
But yeah, it was our first review game. It's in the podcast somewhere. You'll have to go back a while now. But Bitten is number five. Number four, thematically, it fits. The play doesn't necessarily feel it, but I think if you set the mood, it could. Cryptid. Yes. Cryptid is all about hunting a Bigfoot or a spooky thing in the lake or some sort of monster. Now, the only problem is the game is so colorful. You know what I mean? But in terms of theme itself, it kind of fits that because there how many how many like scary movies are there where it's like we're going hunting for a ghost? Right. I mean, and the cryptid can be anything from like the Loch Ness monster. It could be a vampire. It could be Bigfoot. It could mm-hmm. be something spoopy like a ghost or even like a a man-eating plant or something. Exactly. Sort. This is one of those where, like I said, I think setting it, setting the mood, setting an atmosphere at the table will change it to make this a very good game that you could play on game night for Halloween. It doesn't fit as well as all the rest of these games because the theme isn't as focused on that, but I still think it's a good theme for it. Uh, I think it's just Quanchai's art that changes it to be lovable. <laughs> but that's number four, Cryptid. Very, very good game. Number three is one that I think a lot of people will throw up this high as well. It is Dead of Winter. Yes. Dead of Winter from Plat Hat Games is a... You can either play it fully cooperative, where there is no trader, which we talked about trader mechanics last episode, if you didn't hear that one, or you can play it with a trader or two, depending on the number of players. Essentially, you are surviving a zombie apocalypse. You have a colony and you have different locations where you want to go and rummage through things to find weapons and food and medical supplies, and you have to bring them back to the colony, and people have to contribute food, and there's all kinds of goals, things like that. And if there's a traitor, they can really throw a wrench in things. Anytime we talk about this game, I always feel like we need to bring up Zach's story. You want to tell it or you want me to tell it? I think I should tell it because I'm the one who drew the card, if that's okay. Go for it. So, Zach and Sarah are a couple of friends that we've talked about on the show. And uh, they're some of our best friends. And we, before COVID times, would either travel to Tulsa to see them once a month or they would travel down here. And uh, so a few years ago, uh, Zach's dad passed away. And uh, it was very sudden. And uh, about a week later, Dalton and I wanted to cheer him up. So we wanted to have a board game night. We let him pick all the board games, whatever he wanted to play. And he loves Dead of Winter. It's one of his favorite games. Because he actually played that before we even met him. And so uh, we're playing Dead of Winter. It's his turn. He gets a crossroads. And so uh, I, it's my turn to draw the crossroads. So I draw the crossroads and I read it. Um, basically, you are the crossroads is you're at your childhood home looking for supplies because you know where supplies or food was. And you come across your parents. You can either run or kill your parents. Well, it was just the dad. Oh, it was just the it dad. It was that the dad is crawling down the stairs at you. The dad is crawling down the stairs at you. And you can either run away or you can kill your dad and get the supplies. And I got halfway through reading it and I was like, I don't know what to do because I got like, because I saw the, the options and I just went, oh no, oh no. And I looked at Zach, I said, I don't think I should read this. And he's like, why? I said, I just don't think I should. I think it's going to be hurtful. And he's like, read it anyway. And I read it and like Sarah and I just like looked at each other and I looked at Delton <laughs> and Zach goes, well, I just killed my dad. <laughs> it, he just started laughing. It was just that like that exact moment of, well, why the hell not? Let's add this into the mix. He just started laughing and I think he genuinely got a kick 
out of that whole scenario, but my goodness, it was one of the funniest, <laughs> but also like, you just didn't know how I, to react. I just remember staring at Sarah, just like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> it was really a great, like it was a sad situation, but it was a great moment to look back on and laugh about now. And it's still one of our favorite moments of that game and probably will be for a long time. A very long time. Oh, it was so good. So, De- I know it's a little off topic, but Ooh. I always have to share that story. But I mean, here's the thing. Dead of Winter makes stories like that. Now, given this had some outside circumstances that made it even better in terms of like for a story, not better in situation. You see what I'm saying? It's a better story because of it. But Dead of Winter is such a good game and you get fun stories like this. Like the time Brian was playing the janitor who was stockpiling guns and he was the traitor, except I kind of ruined it and he ended up losing and he was very mad. But yes. Dead of Winter, great game. Highly recommend that one. I remember telling that game to Isaac Vega. and <laughs> He was like, oh, oh no. no. <laughs> he literally put his head in his hands. <laughs> he did. It was so great. It was great. So number two on the list is One Night Ultimate Werewolf. You could just put Werewolf down. You could put any of those. I feel like even Avalon, whatnot, they kind of all fit that same thing. But One Night Ultimate Werewolf was the one that we've played the most. It's the one that everybody seems to know as well. It is. A lot of people play Werewolf, the longer version, but One Night Ultimate Werewolf, being that it's short gameplay, you can reset and try it over and over again. It's such a good, simple game. If you have not played Werewolf at all, the way it works is everyone gets a roll. And again, there's a traitor mechanic. Somebody, sometimes multiple people, are going to be werewolves. They are trying to survive as long as they can. And the other people are playing different villagers, whether you're the seer, the tailor, just a standard villager, the troublemaker, the drunk, which is one of my favorites still. Uh, you're playing them, and every time you'll close your eyes, have a nighttime phase where everybody will open their eyes at different intervals. So the werewolves will open their eyes and they'll pick somebody to kill. And then, like, the troublemaker opens her eyes and can swap people's roles, that kind of thing. You get to do all that, and you're trying to either kill all the werewolves or the werewolves have to survive to the end. In One Night Ultimate Werewolf, it happens in one single night round. The normal game, when you close your eyes, everything happens, you open your eyes, you pick someone to kill, then the game continues and those people are out. In One Night Ultimate Werewolf, you only have that one vote to win. And if you don't get a werewolf, then the game's over. I like it because it's fast, it's quick, you can change the roles around, everybody gets a new role, and it's just, it's just really good. It's an affordable game, and there's a bunch of expansions. One Night Ultimate Werewolf, One Night Ultimate Werewolf Daybreak, one Night Vampire, One Night Alien, and there's all those you can mix and match. And they're all super spoopy. They're all super spoopy. It fits in. I think that brings us to the number one. <laughs> I'm going to see if my editing will leave that in. I'll try to make sure I don't <laughs> cut that out. Uh, the number one favorite game for us, we've talked about several, 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 several times, and we do have a review on it. It is Mysterium. Mysterium! We just love Mysterium. Mysterium is essentially what I call an art interpretation game. One person is a ghost. The rest of the players are psychics. The ghost is giving these giant, artistic, weird cards to the psychics to try to lead them to who killed them, where they killed them, and what they used to kill them. Avenge me. It's essentially taking Clue and improving upon it by making it something where the crew, everybody helps each other out. You're trying to help the ghost. It makes it cooperative. It is such a fun game, aside from the setup. And it's one of those games that you can play with new and old players, because it's all interpretation. Yes. And it's it's all 
art-based. And so like we played it with uh, Cody and Jinwin and my mom and Delton and I. And so Delton and I have played it 10,000 times. Yeah. I think Cody has played it once, maybe. Maybe. And then my, my mom and Jinwin had never played it before. But they were able to all catch on. My mom uh, picked up on clues really, really quickly. She's good at those interpretive games. But it's, it's really fun. It's really easy to teach. And it's enjoyable to play. And it has that spoopy vibe. It does. This is another one where if you had a cool like soundtrack to play and some candles to light and stuff like that, you could really make this a whole evening of it. And it's just such a fun game. Gives you that woo, like we talked <laughs> about last time. Woo feeling. There you go. <laughs> it's Mysterium is just very fun. We have one expansion. I think it's Secrets and Lies, where instead of items, you can replace it with, I think it was called Motives. And it was like gambling or, you know, different things like that. It makes it tougher because it's another hard to get thing like it's another um it's another object that you have to try to guess sort of like the rooms and the people that are so full of everything when you get to the items they're the easiest because they're so simple so it makes it tougher but it does also give you new clue cards so it's kind of worth it just for the clue cards i want to pick up the other expansion just to try that out too but yes mysterium is our number one so, to recap our five through one, we had Bitten, Cryptid, Dead of Winter, One Night Ultimate Werewolf, and Mysterium right at the top. Yes. All spooky games, all fantastic games, most of which we've done single episode reviews on, if you'd like to check them out in further detail. But Actually, we highly recommend all ten. I think we have done a review of a lot of these. <laughs> I think so. Have we which done a good. review of Dead of Winter yet? I don't know. I'll have to look in the logs here. I've got it pulled up, but I don't want to deal with that right now. If not, stay tuned to Spoopy 3, Too Fast, or Tokyo Drift. Spoopy 3, Spoopy Drift. Spoopy Drift. We'll figure something out. But yes, that is our list of great spooky board games to be playing this Halloween season with literally anybody you can get to come into your house or you are comfortable coming into your house. That's basically where we're at. Uh, I will uh, state Mysterium does have a version on Steam. So you can oh. purchase it, you and a bunch of friends, and log on, use Discord or Skype or whatever chat program you want, and you guys can all play Mysterium through the internet, which I think is a great idea. That's excellent. I want to do that with some friends because that eliminates the bad setup. It's my only complaint with Mysterium. A setup takes forever. Eliminates that and makes it easier because everyone's online. It's just be a, it'd be a good time. So there you go. All right. Well, before we get into the topic de la episode, yeah. would you like to open up the last and second beer? Let's do it. So today, courtesy of Sherry Next Door, we have Blue Moons Harvest Pumpkin Wheat Brewers Select, brewed with real pumpkin and spices from Blue Moon Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado, 5.7% alcohol by volume. This is a pumpkin beer from the grocery store, and we're excited for it. It's also not that cold. I'm kind of surprised it's not that cold. It's been in the refrigerator since about 9 o'clock this morning. We got up this morning and Delton went to go take Margie for a walk and there was a six-pack of beer on our front porch. Have we talked about Margie yet? I don't think we have. Uh, okay, I guess we we'll, might as well do that now at this point in time. So, uh, six weeks ago today? Yes. Six weeks ago today, we adopted a dog from a rescue. Her name was Tessie and we didn't like that. And so we ne- renamed her Margaret but we call her Margie or Marge for short. And she started responding to it the very first day. She really did. Margie was a very fast response, but she's a mutt. She's a black dog with some like white feet, 
and a little bit of patch of white on her chest. It's like a terrier, dachshund, something or another mix. She looks like a giant weenie dog. She's a medium size, like 30, probably 25 to 30 pounds. Uh, but she is nothing but a cuddler. She's been good with the cats. Her and Steve don't really trust each other, but they're improving constantly. Her and Penny are good friends. They already kind of bump noses and Penny will rub on her and stuff. So that's been really good. Yes, and she looks like a bat. She has huge she ears, and we're going to get some bat wings for her for Halloween. So stay tuned, everyone. Follow our Twitter. Follow our Instagram, and you will see the bat dog. But yes, she is our newest addition to the family. We wanted to take time because a dog is a very different introduction, and we wanted to make sure it was going to work out before we announced to the world what was happening. And I don't think there's any doubt in our minds at this point. We just want her and Steve to, well, I guess we just want Steve to be nice because anytime there's been any issue of anything, it's Steve being a jerk to her and her having to set boundaries. But no one's ever been hurt or no, like nothing's ever been violent. It's just Steve's being a turd and she's like, please leave. Yes, that's basically (laughs) it. But yes, that's Margie. And she's a good girl. She likes long walks for poop. Yep. And getting cuddles and getting her cookies from the pet food store. In six weeks, this is a detail no one needs to know, in six weeks, she has only pooped in our backyard twice. Every single other time has been on a walk on somebody else's yard. She likes to go for walks. We pick it up, though. We're not those people. Yes, we pick it up every time. There was one time that we've both forgot to refill the thing with bags, but Haley forgot once, and I went on a walk without checking it. She pooped in a yard. I realized we had no bags. I had to walk all the way home, grab new bags, walk all the way back, and pick it up because I was worried. I was like, I don't want to be this person. And I don't want somebody that, to have seen me and know that I'm this person because I'm not. So, <laughs> You're yes. a good Samaritan. I'm a good Samaritan. Or a responsible dog owner. Maybe both. Is there any other detail on the beer here or is that it? That is it. So it smells like a pumpkin spice beer. That's the great thing about these like grocery store beers is one, they, they taste good. But two, they leave a lot to the imagination when it comes to their labels. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. It smells like a maple sugar. I smell the pumpkin spice. Mm. I definitely smell pumpkin spice. My inner white girl is happy. It's not bad. It says it's a harvest pumpkin wheat. I don't get too much tang of the wheat like you normally would. I taste allspice. Do you taste allspice? I taste allspice. There's some sort of spice in there. That must be what that is. Allspice and nutmeg and cinnamon. So basically, they took a container of pumpkin spice that you get and from just Aldi. dumped it in? Just dumped it in there on top of their uh, general blue moon. But, I mean, it's, it's not it's, bad. It's richer than the general Blue Moon. Oh, 100%. I was talking to Haley about this, that I'm not a huge Blue Moon fan, but I'm also not a huge fan of most beers that people used to buy at grocery stores and gas stations. However, if you like Blue Moon, that opens you up to a lot of options and uh, being able to find really good craft beers because Blue Moon is kind of an introductory into the Belgian white. And there's a lot of craft Belgian whites out there that just ramp everything up a notch and really can impress you. And if you like something like Blue Moon or the Blue Moon Pumpkin, that's going to open you up to a lot of craft beer. So I may not be a fan of Blue Moon in terms of like, I don't buy it. It's not bad. I like it. This is a good beer. But I feel like the craft scene takes this and just makes it like significantly improved. So I think you've got a journey ahead if this is your beer. But I mean, obviously, I'm not going to put you off of it. See, I love Blue Moon. I, I will drink a Blue Moon if I go to a, a restaurant or I go to a bar and they have Blue Moon. I might have me a Blue Moon with a slice of orange. It reminds me a lot of college, though. Yeah. Like, that was my, my beer de college. Beer de college? Beer de college. Mine was Guinness. See, uh, um, at OSU game days, 
Uh, they would have a little tent so we could get beer, and Blue Moon was always one of them. And every time you went to the Stillwater Walmart, either one of them, there'd be a big Blue Moon display case with a whole bunch of oranges. But we were America's brightest orange at OSU, Oklahoma State University. Makes so sense. that kind of is kind of why it ties in. That makes sense. But I drank it all the time my uh, junior and senior year, and I loved it. And I still do. To you, Blue Moon. To Blue Moon. <laughs> so before we get to the topic, I wanted to bring up, nobody knows what actual pumpkin tastes like. What? This beer? If yeah. you gave this to somebody, they'd be like, oh yeah, that's like a pumpkin beer. No, it's a pumpkin spice beer. What does pumpkin taste like without the spices? Nobody can answer this. I have no clue. Really? Yeah, I have no clue. I've only ever had pumpkin pie, pumpkin spice this, pumpkin spice that. I've never actually had something, except I've had like pumpkin bread, but it just tasted like bread. There was, I couldn't tell the difference in the flavor back when I had it. I think people know what pumpkin tastes like. I think it just. I don't. <laughs> it's, I okay. don't. Have you ever had like pumpkin puree? No. Okay. So basically <laughs> imagine like a creamy gourd, like squash, but hearty and creamy. That doesn't sound appetizing. I mean, I've, to be honest, I've only had cooked pumpkin. Yeah, I just don't. I don't know what pumpkin in any in any way tastes like aside from the pumpkin spice. Like I know what it tastes like with all this stuff in it, but I can't distinguish its own flavor enough. Well, whenever we carve pumpkins in a couple of we'll, weeks, we'll have to like cook some of it or something. I'm just gonna have you eat it raw. I don't want to do that. Take your hand in a pumpkin, scoop it out. Oh, gross! We need to bake the seeds though. Delicioso. We need to do that. Make some good pumpkin seed snacks. Ooh, that would be delicious. That would be good. All right. Well, I say let's get to the topic so we can move this forward. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So for the topic today, we wanted to talk about spooky atmosphere. Me and Haley were having a discussion trying to figure out what the topic could be because Halloween, I feel like it's a hard thing to come up with a topic around because it's so specific in itself as a season. Like Christmas, you can look at it as like, oh, family or giving, or presents, or winter, or, you know, druidic traditions. Like, you can look at this in whatever manner, but Halloween, I guess you still have... Death. You still have pagan traditions. Candy. But, exactly. But, I mean, it, I, I feel personally that it's more limiting in scope for in terms of topics, but... I should say board game-related topics. But what I was thinking about was, what is it that makes a spooky board game truly a spooky board game? And Spooky or scary? I thought we agreed on scary. I, I guess both. I, I've been using spooky because something that's scary can still be called spooky, even though it's cranked up. But something that's... Not everything that is scary is spooky, though. Yes, but almost everything that's spooky is scary. It's just a baby scary. <laughs> baby scary. Okay, so scary. Whatever. Anyway. It's... Woo. I determined... It is. Woo. <laughs> I determined, or we determined, however you want to look at that, that it was atmosphere. That what makes things spooky comes down to how it's presented in the board game world. Because if you're watching a movie or in a haunted house or playing a video game, you can have people chasing you, jump scares, things like that that can truly startle you. But board games can't do that. So what can board games do to present some of that feeling? So what I was thinking was, essentially it comes down to atmosphere. It comes down to the presentation and the entire, like, ambience of the board game if you have a board game that is you know super brightly colored and everything it just has no chance of being taken as a scary game but if you dim the colors down and you really work on presenting it in a way in which it's 
creepy or dilapidated or aged, something like that. You know, if you tell a story and you use certain details in certain places, that can add to that feeling of like uneasiness. And I think that's what comes with a lot of horror is there's uneasy. It's what's around the corner, what's over here, what's watching me from the, you know, over here. That kind of like, it's an anxiety, it's a suspense, it's a that feeling that you give, just uneasiness, that's what you have to represent. And so I think for a lot of scary games, having those game nights with light some candles, turn on some like spooky house, creaky floor music, you know, dim the lights a little bit if you can. Setting that mood and setting that scene will far, I guess it it will very much improve how scary or how spooky that game is in that moment. And I especially think that's true for role-playing games. Role-playing games really benefit themselves from smells and from things like that. Like what was, there was a company at Gen Con I saw mm-hmm. last year that had candles that were made for role-playing games. It was like, this one is the dungeon. And it was, was like... That was BGG Con. I was with you. Well, there was BGG, but there was also Gen Con. Because oh, I, I picked okay. one up for one of my coworkers. But it, the, the one I picked up was like, you know, the magical forest or something. But they had one that was like the dungeon. And it just smelled like wet rocks. It was weird, and I was like, that's perfect. If you were in a cave, you could light this, and if it smells like wet rocks, that's just awesome. And I feel like scary things present themselves best when you have more senses being involved. And so for me, it's all about atmosphere. It's all about including all of that into your session. So I I totally agree with, like, the atmosphere and, like, the theme of the game being what makes it spooky, what makes it scary. But also, I feel like a lot of it is the mechanics as well. Like, take Mysterium. Um, you're kind of blindly guessing, but you're going off of different clues and whatnot. It's kind of like if you're really a psychic, like you never say a psychic says, I, I saw exactly what happened, the murder. It's like, no, I saw a red sweater. And oh, in the back of the suspect's trunk, there was a red sweater. Like it's always little things like that. Or if you have a game where you never feel completely secure in your resources, never feel co- completely secure in where you are and like uh, ahead in the game then that can create that apprehension as well. So I think it's the atmosphere, like you said, and the theme, as well as the mechanics. You know, game designers can really make it where, you know, there is that uncertainty throughout. Or there is, like, for example, in One Night Ultimate Werewolf, there is that um, accusatory part where you get accused of being the werewolf. And that's scary because it could be you and it could be for arbitrary reasons. Or it could be, you know, a, a plan played out by the werewolf. Or you could be accused for no reason. And it's the mechanics of it that can also lead to that spooky, scary feeling that, whoo. I think that makes a lot of sense. One of the things I saw here in a little bit, I'm going to be playing some scary video games on Twitch just for fun. But there's a scary video game that I almost bought because it's on sale, but I didn't because I promised I wouldn't spend money willy nilly. And I would like to play it. But essentially what it is, is it's alien, like the movie, which I still haven't seen. I know. Leave me alone, people on the Internet. I'll watch it. Judge. It's where you're on a spaceship and there's an alien and you have to essentially escape. And something, the the way that they said and like the way people's comments were, were is that to truly make this a scary video game and to, to make video games have that feeling, it's a sense of having no power. And that is a mechanic you could put to use is the player needs to feel like they're just trying to survive, kind of like you said, but they have no real power in the situation. They have to do their best to make it. I guess in that game, there's a lot of hiding under desks and hiding in lockers. And because I guess if the alien catches you, you just die. You can't kill it. You can't get away from it. 
if it catches you. So you have to try to be smart and hide and duck and crawl in small spaces. And it's all about, you have no power here. You just have to survive it. And I feel like that is that sort of the mechanic version of what you're saying for some things. Like in Dead of Winter, you have to have enough food. You have to make sure the zombies don't overwhelm you. And that's anxiety provoking in itself, like not yes. having enough food, that food insecurity. Because, I mean, you're, you're having to collect these things and it could run out to the very last minute and you don't have enough food. And morale goes down. Yeah. And you have that like looming threat always. And that's what makes it scary. I could see that. But yeah, that's really neat. I like that. I think that we need a game. We need to find a game that has the perfect combo of the two. And if- or make the game or we need to make the game i think all the games we really like here have enough of each of them but i feel like that somewhere out there there's a game that actually like actually truly brings out that super eerie uneasy anxiety provokingness even stronger i just have to figure out what that is because video games can do it so well because you're physically moving and being scared and seeing things and whatnot it's just hard to translate to cardboard that's all but yeah I think that works. And now, join us for a Malthouse Games podcast special bite-sized question. Now we come to the question of the episode. What is your favorite Halloween costume? My favorite costume was when Cody and I went as the Grady twins, which are the two girls from The Shining. We wore wigs and dresses. I was complimented on my fake boobs, which weren't fake, which was sad. However, three different people said, why if Delton was playing a 10 year old, why does he have fake boobs? And each time I had to be like, those aren't fake boobs. (laughs) Yeah, my my retort was always busty, bearded and beautiful because we both had beards. I mean, Delton was gorgeous. He filled that dress out really well. I really did. I got rid of that dress, but I really did. But it was nice. I also peed on that dress. But that's a story for another time. That's a story for another time. But yes, going as the Grady twins was great. It was like, I, I think we won the couple's costume you contest. We did win the couple's contest. Because we, we planned it together and we had the best costume. So yeah. And that's the night that Cody asked Jen Wynn out. That is because she really <laughs> loves the same color blue the dress was. And that was like the conversation starter, wasn't it? So basically, yeah, that, I think that was. But then like what? So long story short, I've been trying to get Cody and Jen Wynn together forever. Cody was my coworker. Jen Wynn was my classmate. I've been trying to get them together forever. And so finally, I got them to both come to the Halloween party. And I was like, yes, I'm going to introduce them. I'm going to make this relationship happen. And so before the night gets too far in, my friend Zach, the Zach from earlier, he points at Cody and goes, hey, you single? And Cody goes, yeah. He says, Jim went in too. You guys should talk. I was like, damn it, Zach. This would be me. I was supposed to put them together. I had this whole elaborate thing planned. But I got to officiate the wedding, and they are four years strong, so I'm just saying I still did what I was supposed to do. It was great. It was great. It was great. Well, Haley, what's your favorite costume? So I have a tie. Can I say a tie? Sure. So one, uh, whenever I was in grad school, uh, we didn't have a lot of money one year, and I wanted to have like a full body costume. So I got a Zalgo bodysuit which is apparently something on the internet, but it's a black and white costume with big red eyes. It was a bodysuit with long fingers. I'm a very noodly person, and I dance very crazily. And I put on the Zalgo costume and jumped out at people and made people scream at the Halloween party. I was very impressed by that. That was good. What's, what's your tie with it? It's tied with the time that you and I went as a ventriloquist dummy and a ventriloquist. That was good. I was the ventriloquist, and I had this my mustache curled and I darkened my eyebrows real dark and slicked my hair with so much pomade that it was like a rock. 
and we drew Haley on the lines and oh, it was good. It was a $5 costume because all I bought was like the eyelash extensions for me. I think so. Yeah. And we had a, uh, what's it called? A, uh, uh, like blinds, a, cur- a curtain curtains rod, rod a blind rod. As my ventriloquist hand and Delton would move me all night long and I would look through people and it was great. Yeah, it was pretty good. And I'd, she'd sit on my lap and we, we'd move her around, pretend like I was controlling her. It was it was a fantastic costume idea. We need to post, we'll post whenever we post the episode, uh, pictures of all three of these costumes. We need to. We'll have to dig through and find those. So good. Well, I think that closes out the favorite costumes. I'm going to go ahead and give a shout out to our amazing Patreon backers. Woo! Thank you, Allison, Woo! Alan, Woo! Jesse, Woo! Catherine, Woo! Cliff, Woo! Jennifer. Woo! That's all of them that contribute to us at a level in which they get shouted out on the podcast because they're also all people, pretty much all people that we know, and they're good people. And we appreciate all of them. They're we all great. We very much appreciate that and all of our Patreon backers. If you want to be like them or just check out our page, go to patreon.com slash malthouse games. This programming is thanks to viewers like you. Basically, yes, it is. It really is. If you want to hit us up on social media, we are at Malthouse Games on all social media. You can also find me directly at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. You can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K. That is at Squirrely Geek. If you have a question for us to answer on the show or in general or a topic you'd like us to cover or a game you think we should look at, you can send us an email, contact at malthousegames.com. I realized something. What's that? So, our next episode will come out November 1st. Is that still considered Halloween? Uh, not, I mean, I guess once the sun comes up, no. Dang. I mean, we could always try to get it done on Halloween night, but, like, nobody's going to be listening to a podcast Halloween night. Too spoopy? It'd be too spoopy. Is it going to be? I was just hoping for, uh, Spoopy 3 Tokyo Drift, but, alas, it'll wait till next year. It'll be fine. We'll still talk about some Halloween stuff, because... We'll be dealing with that while we record. Yes. So I think it works out. But I think that's going to cover everything for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Malt House Games podcast. Please be sure to like, share, and subscribe to our podcast, our YouTube channel, our social media outlets, all of that. And try to leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening to this because those help us grow and help more viewers find us. And hopefully, if you're enjoying this show, they will too. And that's what matters. It's good enough. (laughs) So, until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. See you folks later. Bye. Bye. Bye.